Hey everybody, it's the Gameology Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Falvine. And I'm Attila Gabriel Mieski. And we are talking about card games. Yes, both trading card games or TCGs and collectible card games or CCGs. All right, now Attila, you have a lot more experience with card games, so why don't you get the ball rolling? Yeah, well, I was of the generation that um, when I was little, Pokemon cards were a huge phenomenon. And uh, I didn't even learn how to play the game. I just wanted to collect them all. And I had a very generous mom who bought me card packs as a reward for like getting stripes and my karate belt and that kind of thing. Um, and For uh, training at the gym. <laughs> and then uh, similarly, I got into Yu-Gi-Oh! as well. And then, you know, that, that also became a sort of like a reward kind of thing. Anytime there was a, an occasion or something, I'd get a pack of Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. And yeah, then um, I managed to get a copy of like Yu-Gi-Oh! The Eternal Duelist Soul for Game Boy Advance. And that was a lot of fun because suddenly I had access to like way more cards mm-hmm. in the video game than I would ever have in real life. And I could construct decks and strategies that all followed and required specific cards that I could get a hold of because the game had a means of, like, you would enter the pin code off of a card and it would read into the game. Um, But then, of course, magazines just came out which published the code for every single card, so you could just build your collection that way. Um, And then, uh, most recently, I got you into Hearthstone, and it's something that I've been playing a lot myself. We've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, my experience with it, um, other than like traditional card games, a friend got me into Star Wars cards in high school. Um, And before that, I remember being at a movie theater and an older kid who I'd never talked to in high school, you know how there's kind of that divide. Mm -hmm. He must have thought that maybe I would be into it. And he asked me, he's like, hey, Matt, do you you play Magic the Gathering? And I could tell he didn't want his other friends to know, (laughs) but he had a feeling that Matthew, the video game kid, might know. And it just really blew me away because he was like a redneck truck driving, motorcycle riding son of a bitch. And he wanted to talk about mana and wizards. Uh, Star Wars Cards was a game that we we got really heavily into and and had a good group of friends that would play it as well. Uh, And it introduced me to a lot of the mechanics of of card games, especially in the part where I, for the first time, I felt like I was gambling as a child, (laughs) where... Because you were buying these packs yeah. and you were hoping to get luck of the draw to get the more powerful cards. And I remember going and buying packs and not getting what I wanted and, and having this frustrating moment. I blew like, you know, a month's worth of newspaper bike mm-hmm. money. And I had a really kind of empty feeling inside. Where I felt like that was a mistake. I, I felt like this is what people probably feel like that are gambling addicts and I'm 14. And in a way, it's good to learn those lessons young before you end up you know mortgaging your house yeah i mean the only thing that really separates um gambling from these these kinds of card games is that in a lot of ways like you can't directly exchange the cards um for value although they do a very good job of making you think that i'm putting your rare cards in cases Uh buying the magazines and saying oh mint condition darth vader is worth this much yeah Yeah. and that's the thing there's with, with physical cards there's always this idea of like the resale um, that generates this kind of like additional value for all these um, these cards that perhaps the um, game developers didn't intend but can't really do anything to prevent. Mm-hmm. And I always think that by the time you'd ever want to actually sell it, it would be so worthless. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't pay attention. Maybe there's like a huge market for a mint condition Darth Vader card. But um, those games, especially Star Wars cards, uh, long a really long drawn out game i'm not sure how long a a game of magic takes i know with hearthstone i really enjoy that a game is 
10, 15 minutes or yeah. shorter. But I remember with Star Wars cards, it was a really uh, long, like maybe multiple hours. Uh, lots of, um, so, uh, like, an, it was a, a big learning curve to get into to understand the turn order, especially if you didn't have any experience with those. But it was something that we really got into and then creating your own, own sort of decks. However, at that time, because it's a physical game and you're relying on buying packs of cards, like you were saying with Yu-Gi-Oh!, you're limited to what you can do. I mean, there's only so many ways you can organize the cards that you have without having to go out and buy more, hence their whole profit model. Absolutely. And you, you even have the issue of like, how do you ensure that you have at least the sort of core set of cards that you can get started with? Like some some of these companies actually do distribute like a starter set. And sometimes that's just like, um, hey, you just, you just bought 10 packs of cards and you better hope that what you need is in there. Um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they're actually going to give you like, okay, no, these are the cards that you absolutely need to get started. And then here's the other ones that you can sort of mix in and create at least a basic deck, um, that will work and has some intrinsic, um, synergies and that kind of thing. Which, which Hearthstone does really well. Yeah. I mean, they're very good at providing you almost everything you need right off the bat. And then you're just able to like mix and match the sort of special characters. However, something that as I'm learning more about this game, I realize there's a power creep that happens. And mm-hmm. as the newer sets come out that cost money, those decks contain cards that are just pound for pound better mm-hmm. than the ones that you have and can be incredibly frustrating to lose to somebody that has cards that just cost more money than yours. Yeah. And I mean, like when you, whenever you, you get like a sort of traditional like pack of cards, when you get cards that are like otherwise worthless, like what do you do with them? At least in the digital card space, you can um, do this thing in Hearthstone specifically called disenchanting, where you can turn a card into dust and the dust can be invested in a card that you actually want. Mm-hmm. In real life, in theory, you can trade those cards away to somebody who somehow doesn't have it yet. But if it's truly like a sort of basic card that everyone, it's so common that everyone has it, it's just absolutely worthless. Like, it's not even worth the paper it's printed on. You just, you, you practically may as well toss them in the recycling for all it's worth. And then you are literally just throwing money away. Yeah. And it kind of comes down to the point where then it would make more sense for you to just buy the single cards. Hence why this market comes mm-hmm. around of selling these rare cards for, you know, big sums of money. Yeah, exactly. Cause if there's a card that you need that you like absolutely have to get, then it's like, how, how else do you, construct a deck around that how else do you stand a chance if not just like going out and purchasing exactly the cards that you need which which i always playing a lot of hearthstone i I just keep thinking about chess and how beautiful a game chess is because you have a lot of variance uh various amount of abilities within the different uh characters Mm -hmm. the knights the bishops whatever but everybody has it starts in the same the same place and i think there's a real beautiful simplicity in that uh where there's no frustration. It was just your strategy against their strategy. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the that's the ideal sense of it. But eventually, if you play enough Hearthstone, enough Hearthstone and you get to a high enough level, um, not, not, not that I am in that competitive level, but I've been playing the game for so long that naturally I just have a certain um, set of like later game cards because um, I've never actually paid money for packs in that game. And I would advise that anyone who's looking to get into Hearthstone never pay money for cards, which is unfortunately not a piece of advice that I imparted to you soon enough. I was pretty lucky. I came in and they had the welcome bundle. It was $5. You got 10 packs. And I think they gave you a higher amount of um, like a one legendary card was going to be in there. So I was able to use um, folk by focusing on one class mm-hmm. uh, and kind of getting rid of the good cards from the other classes, I was able to get almost everything I needed. I'm at the point now where I have everything I need in that sense because you're right, they do a great job of handing it over to you. And we'll talk about that in the progression side of things. Um, 
but there still are those wings. Now, did you pay for the three adventures? Like with the very first one, which was the expansion Curse of Nexramus, I didn't pay for. I ground uh, to get enough currency for it uh, from in-game rewards, and then the other two wings I did purchase. Um, and in the end, I can see that. I mean, games can't be free. There has mm-hmm. to be some way of, of the of the money going into it, and I I like that business model of it where you're going to pay and you're, but you're going to get a single player experience and yeah. you're going to get these guaranteed cards exactly. yeah. as opposed to just paying for these packs where you could end up with, you know, 10 hundreds of pieces of crap and not the yeah. thing you actually wanted. Yeah. And like when you're, when you're, yeah, when you're buying all these extra packs, you can at least disenchant them. Um, and that as opposed to the, the, the wings where you're, you're paying like a lot of money for those cards though. So it's, it's a good justification that there's at least some fun matches that you're going to have uh, as you're playing through these things. Cause otherwise it would be a ridiculous investment for just the cards that you're getting. Cause you're not getting that many cards. It might be like 40 cards for $30, something like that. Yeah. And, and then- it's only 40 because it's two of everything, you know? most cards and a lot of the cards that you're getting are rewards are legendaries where you can only put in hearthstone specifically you can only put one legendary card um of a kind in your deck is that card i haven't bought the expansions yet when you buy them and you unlock them are you Mm -hmm. given to them or you just have the ability to enchant them you're given them you're given them don't worry that's uh they're not that heartless because i'm at a point right now where looking there are three there are three to five cards that i would love to get out of those three expansions and i was making a little chart because mm-hmm. i'm like if i'm going to put my money into it and they did such a brilliant job of putting about two in each of them that mm-hmm. by my number crunching and just you know endless research over this last week or so it's like those ones are considerably better yeah. and those are absolutely necessary but i'm at the point where i've had so much fun and so much time invested in this game to put down 60 dollars for three expansions mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've had more fun with this than I have with a lot of games I've spent more on. Uh, so I don't feel like a moron for buying it. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's perfectly reasonable. You know, it's the same reason that I invested in the card packs myself, just because I figured like, hey, I'm having enough fun with this and it would take a really long time to grind for the currency. And ultimately, this is how they would win you over. Like we talked a lot about this in our uh, microtransaction episode yeah. not that long ago. Um but the the other thing that sort of like Hearthstone has going for it, um, and really card games in general, um, there's the the constructed play, which uh, as as you time as, as time goes on, like you 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 build um, these these decks using the cards that you accumulate over time, and unfortunately, you do kind of naturally find that some constructed decks are strictly better than others. Like you can't just throw together any combination of cards and expect it to work. Um, there are certain cards that just combo really well with other cards. Uh, there are certain cards that only work really well for certain classes. Like in Hearthstone, there are exclusive um, nine different classes that have cards that are exclusive to that class and then a pool of common cards, which any class can use. Mm-hmm. But within that common pool are some cards that are just clearly designed to be used by a specific class. Well, and also if you... Like a, a common beginner mistake is just to go through and pick all the great cards you like you know regardless of how they work and in a game that has 30 cards where you're not going to get access to all those cards throughout you need to to be the most effective you need to make sure that they are going to synergize almost at all times so Mm -hmm. if if a card that you can play on the on on turn one is it as useful if you get it on turn six as it is on turn one and Mm -hmm. if not you can't prepare for that so you need to make sure that every that's the for me that's almost more like probably neck and neck with as fun as playing the game is constructing those cards because 
you only have you have a limited amount of space and really how everything works together is is like a real beauty of those kind of games and i think that unfortunately over time that kind of that fun of construction goes away because eventually you just find out that like other people have constructed better decks and you're just better off following those guides and building your decks in accordance with what these people have suggested because it's just there are some people who are just going to be better at the game than you are they're not trying to keep their decks a secret because in the act of playing against them you'll find out what their cards are anyway so they just go online and publish hey here's the deck i used to get to like rank number one in the country and you can build it too and for a long time um there are just certain dominant strategies in hearthstone um until they started changing the the game meta do you, you know what i mean by meta absolutely yeah so for anyone who's not exactly familiar um with all the cards that are available in hearthstone that makes up um uh, and the the like some cards being better or worse like because there are some cards they're not all perfectly balanced some cards are strictly better and strictly worse than others mathematically speaking and um it, it mostly depends on where that card follows on a power curve because mm-hmm. every card that in in hearthstone has a, a power cost associated with it and it's sim- very similar to like Yu-Gi-Oh. they would have like power costs associated with them um and in Yu-Gi-Oh, you could play a card if you'd played a weak one first and then you sacrifice the weak card to play the more powerful card. So that, that's their way of like handling it. You can't play more powerful cards. In a Hearthstone, uh, every turn you get uh, like one man on your first turn, two men on your second turn, and then cards have a mana cost associated with them. So if you're playing a 1-1 one, one card on turn one, it's already not great. There are other cards that you can play that have better stats. Maybe that 1-1 one, one has some special ability associated with it, which is why it's a low power. Um, because by contrast, when you get up to like turn 2, you can have like um, cards that have, have 3 attack power and 2 hit points, or 2 attack power and 3 hit points, or even some other combination. Or some condition whereby a 2 mana card will have better stats than a 2-3, or a three two like a two four maybe and but that there's some other condition that buffs them or makes them more powerful and as these cards um some of them being be- strictly better some of them being strictly worse people start to construct decks around these um really just like min maxing and trying to find the best cards that fall into every slot and the best synergies that accompany those and this all constitutes the meta the only way the meta changes is by cards either being removed, banned for being too powerful. Um, in the physical card games, that's all you can do. You can just say, you're not allowed to play this card. It's too overpowered. In Yu-Gi-Oh!, there are so many cards that I used to love to play with as a kid that are just like banned for being like way too powerful. Um, and similarly, in uh, Hearthstone, they can they don't ban cards, but they have the ability, since this is a digital card game, to go in and modify everyone's cards. There right. was one card called Leroy Jenkins, mm-hmm. um, which used to have a lower mana cost, which means you can play this card that can attack the very same turn it's played, and it was really powerful, and a lot of people would combo it in such a way where they would just perform something called a one-turn kill, where just using a couple cards in hand, they would make it so that they just demolish their opponent in one turn. And the designers felt that that wasn't in the spirit of the game, so they in, they made the mana cost of Leroy Jenkins increase by one, 
and suddenly everyone's Leroy Jenkins is suddenly that much more expensive. That's something you can only do in a digital card game, and I'd say that's a huge advantage because rather than just banning the card and making it worthless, you can still play it. It's just a little more balanced. And, uh, you know, another another huge advantage of uh, it being digital is mm-hmm. that you can keep track of so many numbers. And we, we're talking about this with board games. But I imagine uh, when I'm playing this digitally, I think this might be kind of fun to sit down and play with, you know, real cards. And then I'm like, I don't want to keep track of, like, health six, health mm-hmm. two. There's so many numbers flying around, little counters and massive. The, the games would probably take two to three times as long. Yeah. You could easily be accused of cheating mm-hmm. if you, you know, didn't have a damage counter in one place. You could forget about something. And it's like... When a computer is involved, there's no one complains about being a cheater anymore. You just complain about something being broken. Yeah. Um, specifically, Yu-Gi-Oh! would introduce um, a lot of mechanics that worked really well in the like physical card space. Um, if a, a monster has a attack stat, and if you are using a monster to attack another monster, um, their attack stats clash. And if your attack stat is higher than their attack stat, then it destroys it. Uh, similarly, a monster can be in defensive position, and then its defense stat is what the attack stat is compared against. But basically, you're only comparing one set of stats, and something either wins or loses. It doesn't diminish, and that makes it easier to keep track of. You don't have to like put damage counters on something as you would have to in either like Magic: The Gathering or in Pokemon, or you know a lot of other card games relied on that kind of thing. Um. And then where Yu-Gi-Oh! kind of loses it in the transition to digital, like, you know, as much as I loved my um, digital copy of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Eternal Duel of Soul, Yu-Gi-Oh! had a big thing about trap cards, which were things that you could play during your opponent's turn. Mm-hmm. And they would do something and then you'd be like, no, you just activated my trap card. And it's, it's become a meme unto itself because you, you flip over a card and it nullifies the effect of their card or it does something else adverse to them. But that works really well in a physical space because you can interrupt your opponent. In the digital space, as I was sort of mentioning last episode, what they effectively had to do was every time you do something, it would flash a prompt on the screen that says, your opponent has done this. Do you want to activate a trap card? It's like dismiss 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 no wow it's it's like the windows 10 of card games (laughs) yeah uh and that's why when hearthstone designed traps um they're secrets secrets what they're called yeah yeah uh when a hearthstone designed secrets they made them specifically so that they would activate on your opponent's turn but they activate automatically um the advantage the strength in Yu-Gi-Oh of having a trap that you can choose to activate is that your opponent can um Play something and you can say, oh, it's not worth wasting my trap on this. I'll wait for something more powerful. Um, In Hearthstone, a secret triggers automatically and it creates this counterplay of like, oh, my opponent has a secret down. I'm going to try and play around it. I'm going to play this card, which is like a weak spell. And then if they have a counter spell secret, then Mm -hmm. no big deal. They're they're not going to be able to counter my more powerful spell that I play afterwards. Um, So that was, it has its own strengths. Yeah, it, beca- it becomes more of a, you're trying to predict what the other opponent is doing, and they can easily sort of like bait out a trap. Yeah. Uh, which is just, it's a different layer of strategy. Yeah, it, it, it's, Hearthstone is exceptionally well designed for the digital card space. Um, Magic the Gathering has a lot of these kind of interrupts as well, and it's, I don't feel like it's as bad as Yu-Gi-Oh! when it made the transition to digital. Um, I tried out a Magic the Gathering um, app in the 2015 edition, it was rough. The UI in that game was not very friendly. Um, I feel like there was a lot they could have done to make the game more it would, accessible. Why, it would insult you when you made bad moves? 
no no it was just like hard to use like just unintuitive maybe i don't know these people didn't adhere to certain tenets of just strictly good ui design in general like not even to do with being a card game but just that ui was bad now are there things that they could improve on or is it just that they're they're hamstrung by the fact that it was you're taking it's nothing to do with magic it's just that these people probably were not very good ui designers um, mm. Not that they didn't throw a lot of money at it, not that they didn't make it look fancy, but when it comes to creating UI, looking fancy is the last thing you care about. Um, so maybe we'll do an episode talking about UI sometime. Sure. But there's just a lot of visual elements to that, which doesn't uh, translate super well. So I won't get into what specifically failed about the Magic the Gathering app. Um, but suffice to say, bringing certain card games into the digital space doesn't work super well, which is why when you have a, a card game being played in the digital space it has to concede some things that only work well and um in the physical space and vice versa so everything has their like clear delineations of like what works well where um and yeah hearthstone is a game which i'm sure you've you felt it's it's nice it's much more casual than a lot of uh these card games because the ability to interrupt your opponent's actions um and do things during their turn uh, leads to a lot more inherent complexity. Hearthstone also uh, adheres to the idea of like what a card does has to fit on a very small bit of text. Like if it's not intuitive or understandable as to what that card does inside that space, very good they, point. Just, they won't bother with it. That's a really good point. I was actually, an action had happened and I went and I was really amazed at how much they can fit mm-hmm. and be so clear. I mean, I think that it's a real triumph that they can have a, just have it still feel like it's complex somewhat. And I think that that's really about as far as you need to go for a game like that. I mean, it just they just nailed that fine line mm-hmm. of just complex enough. On the other hand, that uh, it's probably one of the reasons that one of my friends stopped playing the game, and it's eventually the reason that I sort of... I don't know if it's the specific reason that I stopped playing the game, but just... Once you realize that they're kind of limited in what they're capable of doing with the design space that they've allowed for themselves, right? Um, the matches tend to stagnate, especially, I keep coming back to this, but the idea that people keep building these constructed decks. And once you realize that you can't do better than a constructed deck, and then you just have to fall in line and buy the deck and learn to play it, what's the fun in that anymore? And Well, but I'm a bit... Sorry, keep going. Sorry, that's why um, Hearthstone has another mode called Arena. I don't know if you've gotten into that at all. Yeah, that's the where you're choosing randomly selected cards, mm-hmm. one out of three, and building a deck and then going with it. Yeah. And it's very similar to a mode of play in Magic called Draft. Um, in Draft, I'll explain the traditional example first. You basically go with a bunch of friends and you buy a bunch of booster packs. And then every one of you opens a pack, picks a card that you like out of it, pass to the side and then you are given a card uh, a, a, a you know um a, a pack minus one card from the person to your left and you pass to the right and eventually you pass these cards all the way around to the point where you've depleted um all the card packs but you're left with a pile that you've chosen for yourself mm-hmm. and it's a great way for them to make a whole bunch of money it's also a great way for you to end up with a deck that's not constructed it's constructed by your own choice, but it's not something that you've looked up online. You're just doing the best with your intuitive knowledge of the game. And Hearthstone plays on this much the same way in its arena format, where you're presented one of three cards, 
and you pick one of them, the other two are discarded, and then you do this 30 times, uh, and then you go into an online pool of other people who have similarly elected to play Arena. Mm-hmm. But if you, okay, if you look at uh, chess mm-hmm. or checkers, I mean, those are constructed decks. You're, all, you're always going to have the same combination of bishops, rooks, pawns, mm-hmm. queens, kings, and, it, and in a way that brings the competition back to just the strategy versus the strategy. So if I'm playing this, if we're both playing the same deck, however, you run into the, the wall of, let's say, a Tempo Warrior deck or whatever mm-hmm. they call them. I mean, there are like these six or seven decks. If you watch any of these Hearthstone championships, yeah. they, they all have these specific names for them. So it could come down to the fact like this deck is good against this one. Mm-hmm. You're basically playing rock, paper, scissors yep. and then hoping you just have rock at the right time. Yeah. And I think that it's... it's um you, you lose some of the interest because you're not having this idea of like a sort of jack-of-all-trades deck, master of none. You know, if you have a jack-of-all-trades tra- deck and you go up against one of these constructed decks, you're going to lose. In the general sense, you might win more often, um, but if you, you there's just like this, this Achilles heel of like the, these... Um, some of these decks are just very weak against mm-hmm. other super-constructed decks, but... You know, if you're a really good player, again, I've said I've said this about Hearthstone before. If you're a good player and you have bad cards, you will win against someone who's a bad player or a new player or whatever, even if they went and bought all these cards. Absolutely, because there's a. It all comes down to choice. Mm-hmm. You have multiple choices. You can. I mean, if what like sort of the meta that I'm running to, and I notice that as I climb up in the ranks, mm-hmm. it um, it's a completely different game. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're I was sailing once I'd sort of kind of it clicked and I figured out a bit more of effective strategy. I started sailing through it and then you hit the next wall and you start seeing a lot of really similar decks and you see a really similar play style where people have, they have these um, combos loaded up mm-hmm. for what you're going to do. And it becomes a real kind of baiting game yeah. where you don't want to overcommit just because you have it. It's kind of like if you were playing Monopoly and you had Boardwalk, Park Place, and everything else, and you just load it up and throw it to the hotels. But then I had a card that said, stock market crash, everyone loses their homes, mm-hmm. I win. So it's in, in a way, that becomes a, like another layer of the strategy where it's not pushing your hand too much and sort of walking that line and avoiding people's nuclear weapons. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of like um, opportunities that are created for swing in Hearthstone, these certain cards that just... The, the so-called board clears, which mm-hmm. they deal a whole bunch of damage to your entire opponent's board and usually kill everything on them. Um, all the classes have some form or fashion of board clears that like help get rid of things. Um, and you can learn to play around them, but sometimes there's just really not a lot you can do if your opponent just happens to have that. And it can definitely be frustrating because you can be building up to something and then your opponent just plays one card and it's just all gone. Um, definitely that is the most frustrating when you're trying to push an advantage i understand like having a nice combination of cards or picking the right time to do it but when it's just kind of a one card removes that card mm -hmm. you end up playing where you don't want to you're baiting all Mm -hmm. the time it's like you're going to send out something that looks threatening enough that they're going to reveal their silver bullet and then you say thanks for taking the silver bullet for me here's the real threat yeah and And then they just find another way of removing it because you're playing against a priest and a priest has a million removal they do this like one card goodbye i mean one of the most frustrating things i keep running to is a, uh, playing paladins mm-hmm. is uh, change everyone's health to one yeah and then deal one damage to everybody oh yeah and the equality consecration combo and that doesn't cost a lot i mean that's six mana yeah and the cost is in having both cards right card combo cost is something that a lot of people overlook 
um, they say like, wow, this card is really powerful or this card's really powerful. Um, it, one of the best ways to think about it is that you'll see a card that says um, one mana, give a minion divine shield, which means it takes no damage. Um, a different card, one mana, give a creature plus three attack. Um, each of those cards only costs one mana. Right. Then they made a card that says give a minion divine shield and plus three attack. One plus one is three. It costs three mana because mm-hmm. it's one card. Because having that one card is far more likely than having both other cards separate. And it allows you to fit both of those cards uh, into one in your deck rather than having them taken up two separate slots. Absolutely. Now, in the case of Hunter and one of the walls I'm running up to not having the, the expansions mm-hmm. is that there is a fantastic spell that is two mana and does three damage. It's called Quick Shot, and mm-hmm. it's in one of the expansions. Now, doing, doing two mana for three damage is a, is a decent uh, percentage. Yeah. There is one that is only one mana and does two damage. Now, mm. percentage-wise, that's a lot better. Mm. I mean, you're doubling your damage to mana yeah. ratio. However, hunters don't get that many cards. Mm-hmm. You need to make your cards count. And being all, and you're, that's just one short of like true effectiveness. Mm-hmm. And that if you're only going to have so many cards to play in the game, yeah, yeah the, the car, how many cards you have is a huge resource that uh, needs to be counted for. Absolutely. And that, that's something that you would look into in any specific kind of game. Like one of the big things in magic that I am familiar with is the idea that in, in magic, rather than getting mana given to you turn by turn, you have to play cards um, called lands and you get your mana from the lands. Mm. So if you're playing a predominantly green or forest deck, then you throw down a forest um card you can only play one land per turn unless you have some other modifiers or whatever um and you the next turn when you tap that land you get one mana and then you can use that mana to play something that costs one mana okay one specific forest mana because then you might have you might be running a combo deck where you might have um a card that is like a a blue card like a water you might throw down the the blue land card and then you might have to tap specifically like one forest and um like one green and one blue mana to play something so then it's actually um you know even though magic has five types five um like uh red green blue black white uh, and then Hearthstone has the nine sort of classes. Because in Magic you're allowed to create any combination of those two, um, like you can create a pure red deck or you can play uh, make a red-blue deck or a red-green deck or whatever. Hmm. Um, so I many, know, many more possibilities oh, of yeah, decks. Oh, yeah, so much. And that's it, it definitely creates an interesting um, layer of complexity, whereas Hearthstone is definitely going for simplicity. Um, simplicity and and maybe a bit more personality in that mm-hmm. way where you're developing um, specific cards for a class that sort of flesh it out a little more. One yeah. of the things that surprised me about Hearthstone, when I looked at it from afar, I'm like, eh, it's just cards. It just looked like you're playing Crazy Eights or something. It looked kind of boring to me, but I didn't realize how interesting I would find the characters and the profiles of these static images yeah. that bash together, you know, like a seven-year-old trying to make his own show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that goes a long way. And, and I, I, I see where they're going with that in a way to make it casual. It kind of feels like Hearthstone started off trying to be so basic mm-hmm. and is now trying to shoehorn in a bit more of advanced strategies while at the same time trying to inject goofy blizzard um, craziness that yeah. can result in RNG taking over, 
Yeah. I mean, we talked about our, you know, this in luck versus skill not that sure. long ago. Is like you, when you have a card that enables for swing, that's in theory, it's a good thing because if you, if you play something effectively, even if it's um, powerful or whatever, it's at least you're giving somebody who's behind a chance to stay in the game. And it's not just ensuring that one player is always dominating the match. But when that, um, like if it's two cards that come together, there's sort of the equality consecration combo. That's something that somebody has been able to draw both of them and that's their luck. But then the, the skill is using them in combination with one another. And the skill is also um, planning the deck accordingly yeah. so that if you get those separated, are they still going to be synergistic otherwise? Mm-hmm. And also not not playing something too early and, yeah. and like waiting for the perfect time to play it just because you have two copies doesn't mean you can guarantee you're going to get that second one and saying that oh i didn't draw it it's not a luck thing it's resource management but then you have another card called um hopes and yog um yog saron oh is he the guy that casts random spells yeah you play this one a hilarious card, card. <laughs> and for every spell that you've cast in the game it casts another spell with its target chosen randomly and, and random spells. Yeah. And that's just like, okay, so you play this and you either lose or win the game yeah. sometimes. Or nothing happens. And it, it just that much swing, that much like just randomness is infuriating. Because if you've like played a really effective match up to that point and someone throws that down and they just grab victory from the jaws of defeat, it's like, God damn it. Every you just you don't want to play Hearthstone for a week after that point. Um similarly, if you are doing reasonably well in a game you actively don't want to play yog saron because it might just like ruin everything you've built up to at that point so yeah yeah that kind of that much uh rng is just a little overboard for my taste and i mean this is just us maybe you know playing competitively at home but when you have this in a a tournament of some Mm -hmm. kind it's it's a little bit ludicrous. Like I understand Blizzard wants to make these games are fun, but when this is a, a genuine esport and money's at stake, and somebody puts down Yog Sarong, I mean, you... I don't think anyone's going to be playing Yog Sarong <laughs> in tournament level. I just it's it's just not it, it's it's too much to like. You don't want to lose. Like you know, you and I, we feel bad about losing because of something like this. If you're playing in a tournament with prize money, you don't want to lose because you had a bad bad luck on Yog Sarong. Right, and I guess the. The plan of just keeping him around in case you need to come from behind mm. is definitely is taking up another valuable spot in a 30-card deck. Yeah, exactly. Because the the possibilities of playing that card are so powerful that you can either win, lose, or nothing. Winning the game because of playing Yogg-Saron is only one of effectively three possible outcomes. I know the math on that is terrible. It's not actually one-third chance win, one-third chance lose, one-third sure. chance nothing. But statistically, that's about the average of what happens. You know, you it either like does a bunch of crazy stuff and then destroys everything that it's done, or it um, deals so much damage to the player that played it that it just it tanks you and makes you like in a position that you're going to lose, or it does so many amazing things that it puts you in a great position to win. Those are the possibilities that I'm weighing out. Um, but because two of those possibilities effectively mean that it's not helping you swing back and get back into the game, um, for constructed play, for play in um, uh, tournaments and that kind of thing, I don't think you'd ever see it. In contrast, uh, when you're playing it in something like draft or arena, maybe you'd go for it. Probably still not, because there are rewards in arena that you just 
you you want to get those awards you don't mm-hmm. want to be screwed out of them uh whenever you're offered a legendary card in the arena sort of draft they give you three legendaries to pick from if yogg is your best choice of those legendaries oh man I'm, i feel sorry for you but it definitely highlights the fact that certain cards um are more powerful in arena and con- in uh, draft play than they would be in constructed. In, in fact, there are some cards that are only viable in arena and aren't complete are completely non-viable in constructed and vice versa. Yeah, you're. I mean, in arena, because you're picking everything on a one card basis and you have no guarantee that mm-hmm. you can find the proper synergistic card. Yeah, you're looking for cards that stand alone mm-hmm. and then can do the you know the most efficient. You are, and then you're also looking at for just like a more a general kind of uh, synthesis. You know, this is why people um, who are really good at Hearthstone, um, the the skills that you learn, like if, if you play nothing but Constructed um, and then you switch over to playing Arena, the skills that you learn in Constructed don't necessarily apply to Arena because you might end up you learn about these synergies and that's all well and good for the constructed play but if you don't understand the core mechanics of what makes hearthstone tick if you don't understand the principles of constructing a good mana curve of like different power levels um and good spell levels and i'm I'm not even good enough to con- create an effective arena deck not even you no <laughs> i'm just saying that like even after years of playing it's not necessarily enough to automatically know how to create a good arena deck um, there are people who are amazing at creating arena decks, and it's fun to watch them um, puzzle through and figure out how they're putting this deck together. Um, but it, it can be a little frustrating to have been playing the game for two years and then try out arena, and it's just like, I still don't know how to play this. I'm still not effective. I'm still just like wasting my in-game currency on this. Um, but it's definitely interesting and i think that keeps a lot of people in the game so i'd much rather see it expanded upon yeah it's a it's a brilliant idea in the way that they're offering two vastly different play styles Mm -hmm. simply by just switching up which cards are available and not even that not switching up which cards are available switch just switching up the way you're allowed to choose them because you might use the same cards in both it's just the combination of it and the availability of it so yeah it is a it's fascinating thing to have somebody just sort of think on their feet throughout the entire process it's it's much more like improv as opposed to carefully constructing a deck and 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 trying to go out there and perform it like a play yeah so yeah i think uh that's just about everything i wanted to say regarding uh card games yeah i'd say um one of the strengths of, of hearthstone that has had me into it is uh is session length the ability to play a game very quickly to play it on multiple platforms against other people on multiple platforms it's very very social in that way it's a um definitely contributed to the reason that i've gotten so into it and uh and the deck construction as well i find it's a game that when you're playing competitive when you lose it just lights the fire in me to go Mm. through you know what i would love is if after you lost you're able to take a look at like a turn by turn summary i want to see like what happened here look at my choices and see like where you could inject something else in there because i'm still not going off of these net decks you know these uh, constructed decks I refuse to. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll look at them for maybe some inspiration, but I, for me, the 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 carrot I'm chasing is to come up with something completely unique that can bust one of those ones down, mm-hmm. and you know, and that's and that's can get frustrating when you're banging your head against the wall. But it is something that, um, I just think that's almost almost more most of the fun is like can be putting those together, and then arena is a whole other ball game. When we were playing Star Wars cards. 
um, before internet was, you know, fully readily available, I had mm. a friend buy a magazine and he put together the first deck we'd ever seen mm. that was a, a strategy and he won every game. And when you're a kid, you can, even though you know it's coming, you think, come on, idiot kid, just stuff, you know, it's coming, plan for it. But mm-hmm. when you're an idiot kid who doesn't have like the cards. resource to look at. Yeah. So you're, you're, st- I only have so many combinations of stormtroopers. Uh, so it was that stupid Hoth base deck. And I'll never forget that. And it was like, it kind of took the fun out of it in mm-hmm. a way. Um, so there you go. Our thoughts on card games. I think there's only, there's one other thing that I'll mention actually. Sure. Um, when you're creating these uh, card games, like obviously when you're, when you're selling the physical packs of cards, as I said, you're effectively sometimes packaging cards that you, that aren't worth the the paper they're printed on. Yes. Um, similarly in the digital space, you're at least allowed to put the less valuable cards towards the more powerful cards. Now, here's the thing. If you have stats, if this is an online game where you are logging players' purchasing behavior of these card packs, how do you get around the motivation for, say, a developer to look at a player like you who has actually spent money on card packs and been like, you know what? You get a legendary. Because you've bought so many card packs that I'm, I'm going to give you... You're guaranteed to get at least one rare card per pack or better maybe i'm going to give you a legendary a little more frequently ever so slightly more frequently than this guy over here who just thinks he can play the whole game for free and you effectively construct a pay-to-win environment where the people who spend a whole bunch of money on card packs maybe they're rewarded with better cards it's i'm not saying that hearthstone does this i don't think anyone's run the numbers and found anything to that effect um but as more and more um developers are looking to capitalize on Hearthstone's success and everyone's rushing to create their own um, digital card games. I wouldn't be surprised if certain developers just um, covertly or overtly started rewarding players who paid for card packs instead of just, um, you know, earned them through in-game currency. But we talked about this bit before is that there are cards that are just statistically better in those expansions. Mm-hmm. And in that, and those are, those are ones that cannot be uh, crafted out of just pure grinding and making mm-hmm. in-game resources. Those are cash money only. Yeah. And that like, you know, that is a very overt example of like, these are guaranteed to be very powerful cards. The covert example that I'm talking about is when you say, Hey, I'm selling you for 100 in-game gold, this pack of cards. Right, and right. for $1, or two dollars or whatever i'm selling you a card pack and the statistics that that um the the card pack sold for actual money may contain more rare cards and therefore the more cards you buy the more likely you get um not just rare cards um but like maybe rare arena drops or that kind of thing when you have that back end available to you when you have this digital space available to you it's it must be incredibly tempting um, not to take advantage of that and tweak things so that the paying players have a better experience. There you go, card companies. Don't do it. The dark possibility that we need to be aware of. Well, that was the episode on card games. You can find me on Twitter at GameThinkTalk. And you can find me on Twitter at BluishGreenPro or check out my website where you can submit user feedback about the show. Bye for now. Bye.